There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix in March the 22nd, 2010. For the newcomers, I always suggest you look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website, scroll down, bookmark all the sites there for future use because once in a while the major ones that come goes down. And if you scroll down, you'll see all these other sites here. That'll give you the ability to, get to download the, the latest shows when there's a snafu uh, from the major sites. Remember, there's cuttingthroughthematrix.com, .net, .us, .ca, .org. There's Alan Watt, cuttingthroughthematrix.ca. There's cuttingthrough.jankness.com. And there's also Alan Watt, sentient, sentinel.eu. Now, that's the European site, that last one has all the same audios for download, but it's got the addition of transcripts that a lot of the talks have given uh, in the various languages of Europe. You can download them for print up and pass them to your friends or read them at your leisure. And remember that you are the audience that brings me to you. I'm probably the only person out uh, in Radio Land there that doesn't uh, take money. I could certainly, but I don't take money from the advertisers or from people selling products to push myself and to finance myself. It's up to you to keep me going. The ads on this show go directly from the advertisers to RBN for the broadcast and for the staff and their equipment, their airtime, and putting it out to you. So you've got to keep me going by donating or purchasing from the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. There's DVDs, there's books I've written uh, for sale as well. And remember, from the U.S. to Canada, you can send personal checks. You can also use an international postal money order from your post office. Just that make sure it's international. You can also use uh, MoneyGram, Western Union, or Cash. Now, PayPal is there too for donations, but you can also, if you want to order through PayPal, just send a separate email with a PayPal donation and I'll get the order out to you. Same across the rest of the world. You can use Cash, Western Union, uh, MoneyGram, or you can use PayPal to get to me. Donate or to purchase, remember. That's up to you. And for those that just get the disc burned and pass to them of the talks to play on CD players, the wise people I call them, because the, te- the Internet really is a temporary thing even for me. Uh, it was meant to be a, a small window of opportunity to get the word out before it's totally taken over, and we're almost there. So uh, for those who get disburned, burned, you can get in touch with me and Alan Watt. That's the ones that play in their CD players. Site 41, Box 4, Estaire, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. The postal code is P for Peter, the number 3, E for Elizabeth, the number 4, N for Nora, the number 1, P3E, 4N1. And I really mean that because the, the internet truly was never given to the public for their benefit. Nothing ever is. And those who don't understand history and never study history will never ever know the reality they're in today. They'll, they'll follow all the blind excuses and they'll follow all the scuttlebutt that goes on, on the Patriot Radio to, to chase their tails for endless hours, endless days and endless years even. But they'll never ever know what's really going on in the world 
and you've got to know your history to know how people are manipulated down through century after century after century and the rotten things that have been done to ordinary people. And the fact is, uh, is too many players talked about the Internet coming up before we even heard of the computer, a means of communication to bond everyone together. But really, it was for the government to take over uh, control of your lives. George Orwell knew this when he wrote his book in 1948 called 1984. And he, he knew that government would, could not be over uh, all-powerful, I should say, all-powerful until... They could talk directly down to you, the individual number, so-and-so, Smith number, blah, blah, blah. And you would have no family or anyone else to stand up and stop them. Back with more after this break. I'm Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the matrix. Just mentioning that if you don't know your history, you'll never understand the tricks that have been played on populations all down through the many, many centuries, and how we all fall for it time after time. It only takes really a break from one generation where you're allowed to have a few more goodies than, than any previous generation for the whole past to be forgotten and the dirty tricks have been done on the public to be completely erased, along with some brainwashing into uh, being loyal to your country and all that kind of stuff, really, because what is your country but a bunch of international corporations, really, and all the people who get appointed and get uh, nice-sounding titles to be in charge of those corporations uh, and the country itself as a corporation as well. I kind of like the old hillbillies that lived in the different uh, mountainous areas of the U.S., because they they already, uh, from their own history, being dumped in the United States as immigrants, uh, pushed into civil wars and uh, raided by governments and so on, they tended to retreat into the hills and keep everybody. They kept everybody else away from them. They didn't fall into the traps of the townsfolk. They didn't fall into the traps of the government uh, laws and so on. They had their own laws, and that was a law of nature. And really, that's the only thing you can depend upon is you yourself and your own, basically. Everything else is a con. Someone's trying to pull something over you to profit from you because that's how everything is made. All all profit comes from labor. All manufacture comes from labor. And uh, as I say, only one little period in history from about the Second World War, the end of that, up until about the 70s, people were allowed to keep a little bit more for themselves. Never dawning, of course, as they bought their houses, that the big boys planned to take it away from them uh, around the year 2007 or so. But that's how it's done. Uh, long-term planning. And we are managed. You know, we look at all the different sciences around us, and people will, will prattle off about the sciences they're reading and what's the latest gadgetry in electronics or whatever, or physics, and uh, it never dawns on them that the art of controlling people is also a very old science, much, much older than the rest, in fact. And that for everything you can imagine that you could possibly do as a people or a group or whatever, uh, they have about 10,000 10, different ways to infiltrate, take you down, or bend you off in some other direction. These are ancient sciences, ancient sciences. And provocateurs are always sent out into the public, whether it's a union or whatever else, to stir things up, get everyone fighting everyone else, and then you all lose in the end anyway. 
uh, that's the reality of life. So the hillbillies were quite right. You don't get involved in anyone else's affairs. You leave me alone and I'll leave you alone. And, and that was their philosophy. That's the only thing you could trust is your own reason. Everything else is a con job. Now, the computer, as I say, was given to the public uh, with its usual enticements because uh, everyone's got different drives, and they gave the sex drive a, a big push with that one with lots and lots of pornography. Before I ever touched a computer, that's all I knew uh, from reading the papers. There was lots of pornography on it, and that's what I, I avoided the thing. I knew it was really intended eventually to control the general public and make it easier for governments to get right into your home, right into your brain even, and that's a fact, folks. Um, and manipulate you. Uh, I can remember reading an old book by H.G. Wells where he talked about the world brain. He called it the world brain, this interconnected system of all knowledge. But he also, remember, was a Fabian socialist, and he, he really meant that it was a way to control vast populations. In fact, H.G. Wells' whole theme in, in all of his books was about controlling the general public, a public and population of the world eventually. I've read the Department of Defense's articles about their projections for the next 50 years. I've read different ones from the U.S. military and the British and NATO. And we tend to forget that whatever's happening today, obviously, obviously, since these think tanks are not new, they've had them for over a hundred odd years, well over a hundred odd years in the British system then 40, 50 years ago, they were projecting where we would be today. Do you understand that? I hope you understand that. They knew uh, back 40, 50 years ago that they would be signing a treaty down the road to basically eliminate all tariffs on productions and free trade. They knew that stuff then. They knew that the effects of the multilateral agreement on investment would do uh, across the planet. They knew that they would eventually build up China to be the manufacturer of the planet. They also knew that it would mean massive unemployment in the West. And they knew all the reactions that the public would have to that as, have to that as well, which is generally nothing, actually. They kind of, a kind of slight yawn as they, they moved into the service economies where we pass things around. But they also knew too that they gave us a means of communication, tie us all together because that was the whole key to things. As I say, H.G. Wells talked about it, uh, George Orwell talked about it, and government can never feel safe and secure until every single individual is utterly and completely predictable. That means instant retrieval of all information, all data on every person at every minute of the day, every day. That's what the computer is there for. Now, an article came out quite recently about the new digital economy bill. Remember, Britain is the flagship for everyone else to copy. What's amazing to me is that the U.S. really is copying Britain. Uh, it used to take about two years to four years before the U.S. would copy Britain with a certain law, this or that law. But they're really on par now. They're really catching up in a hurry and you'll, you'll find the same kind of articles coming out under different names within the United States. So the Digital Economy Bill was approved by the House of Lords. Now, this article is from The Telegraph, and it's the 16th of March, 2010. Uh, the spin on this article is to throw you off, thinking it's all about um, an attempt to uh, make sure that people have copyright uh, rights 
and those found infringing those rights or, or file sharing uh, will get prosecuted. But really, it isn't until you go into the bill itself and you have to download the bill to find the real intent of it, because what they want to do is to close down all those different Internet cafes and different places where you can get Wi-Fi, that's outside the jurisdiction of the government monitoring. Well, I, I, I think they're really into that, so they, they monitor everything. But it makes it easier for them if they eradicate those, because the government, you see, wants to put broadband across the whole country themselves. They'll be, they won't be in charge of it. It makes perfect sense from a security point of view. If you want to maintain power, you've got to make sure there's no com- competition. And government truly, with the psychopaths who naturally gravitate towards government, uh, it's just like any old gods, you know, you can have no other gods before them, so they eliminate every other god and do the kingpin. And if you want to control the public, you must make sure that, that you have access to all data and there are no competitors on the market. So that's really what the digital economy is. And then you read this other article here. And I love how it's phrased, it's beautiful. It's the Times Online, March the 20th. Government webpage for every citizen in the race to create a paperless society. They've always got an environmental spin on things, or else it's to help the poor. It's to help the poor. So the government's going to create a webpage for every citizen in the race to create a paperless society. So here's a spin. All public services could be delivered online within four years under an ambitious pledge by Gordon Brown to create a paperless state and save billions of pounds the Times has learned. It's to save money as well. This is from governments that throw out like water, especially on themselves. Tens of thousands of public sector jobs could go in job centres, benefit offices, passport centres and town halls if face-to-face transactions are scrapped in favour of cheaper and more efficient online form filling. On Monday, the Prime Minister will announce plans. I love how they, they, they just hand out this stuff to the media first to, to prepare the public. Will announce plans that he claims could save billions of pounds over four years by making dealings or dealing with the state as easy as internet banking. Now, take that, that's number one, right? Enter as easy as internet banking or shopping on Amazon. Cash will also be saved on postage stamps, telephone calls and government buildings as the switch to the internet leads to the phasing out of call centres and benefit offices. So it's all about services, you know, your health care and the social system, all that kind of stuff. They're pretending, right? The aim is that within a year, everybody in the country should have a personalised website through which they would be able to find out about local services and do business with the government. You do business with the government, do you? Well, actually, you do, you see, because they're a corporation, and you serve them. That's what you exist for. A unique identifier, okay, here you are, unique identifier will allow citizens to apply for a place for their child at school, book a doctor's appointment, claim benefits, get a new passport, pay council tax, or register a car from their computer at home. Over the next three years, a secure site will be expanded to allow people to interact with their children's teachers or ask medical advice from their doctor through a government version of Facebook. Can you, can you believe? I'll probably go through India like everything else. And you'll get a translator to, to, to figure out what they're saying. But union leaders and privacy experts immediately warned that the government's record on IT projects was already catastrophic, meaning the, the government's already... That they're selling your data. 
The government sells your data. The post office sells your data. And says, and there will be key concerns about privacy, data protection, and fraud. In addition, many elderly, disabled, and undereducated people find it difficult to carry out transactions online. Well, a lot of people just don't want to. If they've got any sense at all. Now, you got to understand, this is all planned. It was planned before they gave you the first uh, computer. All of it was planned before they gave you the very first computer. Remember, the plan also was to go cashless altogether, paperless. Paper's going the way the dodo bird in eight years, apparently. They'll know what your income is. They'll tax you online instantly. They'll know what you're buying and ask you how you got the money for that because it's not in your account. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and we're cutting through the matrix. Just reading an article from the Times Online, one of many articles on the same topic, uh, telling us how wonderful it's going to be when we've all got our number and we can do everything through the computer, but it's all to be, it's also to be your direct line to the government, which also means, mind you, that it's the government's direct line to you. Do you understand the real purpose of this? It's exactly what George Orwell said, when that screen's right there and that the face comes on and then and, and someone talking right to you, Smith, number, blah, blah, blah. Yes, you, Smith. You've been late with your taxes. You've, you've, you've purchased something and it hasn't gone through your account. How did you do this transaction? Blah, 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 blah. You know, That's all coming down. It's for your benefit, right? And then all the cash you pay into you pensions and all the, all the money that's taxed from you for those so-called services. All that stuff. You won't have access to them unless you do it through the computer. Then the computer's going to tell you, sorry, Smith number so and so, you've, you've used up too much of your allocations of credits for the National Health Service. We can't fix you up this time. I'm not kidding. The article goes on to say here, the roughly £12 billion of taxpayers' money has also just been wasted on the National Health Service IT project, and there's been a long history of government computer problems. Well, no kidding. In an interview with the Times, Sir Tim Berners-Lee, the inventor of the World Wide Web, who has been advising the Prime Minister on the digital revolution, said it was time for Whitehall to catch up with the rest of the world. Well, see, Sir Tim Berners-Lee comes from a long line of these guys that worked on the web, so did his dad on computers. These are uh, like intergenerational families that work on the same project. And uh, they knew where they were going at the beginning. So this character is advising little old Mr. Brown, and anybody can if you have enough uh, dirty uh, dope on them, because uh, believe you me, Brown's got a lot of dirty deeds behind them, and people have got the goods on them. But uh, he will do what he's told by the big boys, and Mr. Tim Berners-Lee is much bigger than Mr. Brown. So I don't want to go to a government office to do a government thing. It should all be online, said Mr. Berners-Lee. That saves time for people and it saves money for the government. The processing of a piece of paper and mailing it back costs many times more than it costs to process something electronically. They'll come to a point where you don't need all the physical offices anymore. 
that means you're going to get pretty well no services at all, folks. It's bad enough already, isn't it? Government sources say job centres, tax offices, DVLA and local centres, passport offices and housing benefit offices will be phased out over the next decade to be replaced by a single digital gateway. I love the, they love the gatekeeper stuff, like Bill Gates and digital gateways. and It's all the, the old occultic stuff that they've conned the public with. That's all it is. The occult's nothing but chronology. Put something in plain sight and the public don't know what they're looking at. Since the private sector is likely to get involved, of course it is, it's public-private fascism, you see. doesn't matter if you call it communism, fascism, it's the same thing. The Soviet system ran on public-private from its very inception. And, as I say, it's quite interesting as all this goes ahead and people are addicted now to text messaging and they've got their phones stuck on their ears even when they're doing their shopping. Should Should I buy the cornflakes or the sugar puffs? What should it be? Uh, and rubbish like that. They're prattling off. You know, it's prattling, talking incessantly to some voice in the ether, exactly as Marshall McLuhan said they would. And they're oblivious of the reality around them. Oblivious. I mean, really, they're, they're ready for the chip. When you have to ask someone's advice, should you get the sugar puffs or should I buy the cornflakes or the Wheaties? you got a problem. Do you understand you can't even make your own decisions without prattling to someone miles away? You've got a problem. You're already a robot. <laughs> and here it ties in with all this too. It's beautiful how it all ties in, but it always does at the same time. And this article goes on about, uh, uh, it says, uh, 17th of March, exclusive, the next generation of super ID cards on the cards for 2012. You see, Britain spearheaded the ID card. It tried to get it out back in the late 90s. And people had riots and protests in the streets. It was an invasion of privacy. It was a totalitarian state. Bang, along comes uh, 2001. And the Twin Towers go down uh, the Jacobin Boas. And uh, bingo, they get what they want. And they brought out the ID cards in Britain under a voluntary process, mind you. Everything's always voluntary until there's enough on it. They say, well, we can't keep doing both systems here. It's too, it's too expensive. Uh, so you'll all have to go into the ID system. And I said at the very beginning, back in the 90s, um, I said that this ID card, and I was, I was talking about it because it had articles in the paper in the late 90s about it. It said it had capacity to do all your all your banking and everything. So it's a government-issued card, and eventually... Everything goes through the government with a public-private partnership deal. Well, here it goes. See, they give you the first mousetrap. Here comes the next mousetrap, you see. And that's what they call it, by the way, is the mousetrap in the marketing uh, jargon. The government is considering introducing a new generation of ID cards for British citizens in 2012. This is to go worldwide, by the way. These cards are made in Canada. Complete with a raft of new features, more than 7,000 ID cards have been issued to British people since the UK cards were made available in November last year, starting in Manchester before rolling out across the Northwest and to select groups across the UK. It's for all the schmucks that want to be trendy that grab it, you see. And I'll tell you what's going to be on this when I come back after the following messages. 
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. This is Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. Reading an article from CBS from the 17th of March to do with uh, the new ID cards. They get you used to things bit by bits. It's a very old technique uh, of mousetraps. You know, it's like laying cheese all the way to the mousetrap. And you lap it up and lap it up. And you say, well, there's that last bit up there. Should I, get, or should I chance it? Oh, yeah, I will. It'll be okay. Bang. And that's it. Uh, no more you. No more brain for sure. But this is the this is the the, the goal is to have everyone ID'd going through um, a system uh, of transactions via the government for everything, and they'll monitor everything that you do and eat and buy and all the rest of it. It's it's beautiful from a totalitarian tyrant's point of view, and that's what we're in. You know, for the folk who still think they're in some kind of strange Trojan horse called democracy. But it says here that uh, speaking at an event hosted by the Social Market Foundation, another foundation, you see, they've got foundations for everything, the parallel government, eh? Social market. A market's something, you know, for animals. You ever thought about that? That's what markets were about. You, you bought and sold animals initially, and, and they were called the stock. So you have a stock market, you know? And uh, now we're all part of the market. We're the stock, you see, since we're the ones that make anything. Anyway, this is Bob Carter, public key infrastructure and encryption expert for the ID card scheme at the IPS, told Silicon.com that the first generation card is a tactical card that we have put out very quickly. Oh, I'm sure. No thought gone into it, right? Tactical is a warfare technique, isn't it? A sort of terminology. A strategic card also. So it's tactical and strategic. So the strategic card has a 2012 launch when all the main things are going to happen. That's when you will find more features in the product, the card. Existing British citizen ID cards, they're doing the same thing for Australia and Canada to roll out its version too, and so will the US. Are designed to simply verify, so just to simply verify someone's identity. That's all. Using a government-issued card reader, a government-issued one, oh, okay. A device which reads the biographic information and the digital photo and two fingerprints stored on the ID cards embedded RFID chip and allows an official to check those details against the person presenting the card. The proposals are currently under consideration and could potentially see ID cards used to perform new tasks such as authorized online transactions using CHIP and PIN and verifying the holder's identity over the Internet, which are not possible with existing British ID cards today. So isn't that wonderful? You'll get your own personal government-issued ID card uh, with all your data on it. It's also got a voice print. Don't mention that here as well. And uh, you'll do everything. You'll live through that card. And, of course, they give you your own web page, as I read earlier, your own personalized government-issued web page so they can talk directly down to you. Isn't that wonderful? Do you realize they really care? That's what government's for, you know. They care. They care so much. That's how they get to the top in government because caring people flood into it and, and they work for peanuts. Hmm. 
So anyway, as I say, that's how uh, it all ties together. Uh, broadband's coming in, and the government is, is actually pushing for it. It's going to be government-owned broadband only, a government ID card for all your transactions and everything you do, your own government web page so they can talk and demand straight down to you, Smith number, so-and-so. Yes, you, Smith. See George Orwell's movie. In 1984, it was actually made in commemoration of him, the black and white version from Britain. And the author knew that back in 1948. This was all coming. Quite nice, isn't it? And just to make sure that everybody gets the message, and believe you me, the cops everywhere across the world are just, oh, they, they salivate when they read the stuff from Britain to get the power they're getting there. You know, it's just amazing. Because Yorkshire Post... Everything starts off with a little trial version, eh? To see how the mice will behave in that little cage there when you do this to them and do that to them. Roadside tests for fingerprints go nationwide. Roadside tests for fingerprints. So it's not enough they've got you blown in the thing and all the rest of the thing. Now you're going to get fingerprints as well. 5th of March 2010. Roadside fingerprinting tests which sparked fears of a big brother state. What do you mean fears of a big brother? If you're starting to get afraid of a big brother state coming in, where have you been the rest of your life? <laughs> where have you been? When tested in Yorkshire, are to be rolled out nationwide this year. Every police force in England and Wales will be given handheld fingerprint scanners to check the identity of suspects in the street. That, that means every, every car is going to get stopped as they try their toys out now. And every pedestrian's gonna get stopped as well. Isn't that wonderful? Eh? Isn't it wonderful for, you pay for your chains. You, the public, pay for your chains and every kind of alloy they use. You pay and pay and pay, and you still go and vote for democracy. <laughs> Senior officers claimed the pilot project, including 28 forces, including West, Yorkshire police had shown the devices could speed up criminal inquiries, help catch more criminals, and save thousands of hours for police. However, although the National Policing Improvement Agency, another National Policing Improvement Agency, has insisted that scanned fingerprints will not be added to databases, critics fear the scheme could encourage random searches. Oh, no, they'd never do that, would they? (laughs) An NPIA spokesman said the scheme was voluntary, and members of the public had the right to refuse. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Dear, dear, dear. Can you imagine what, you know, you all know what happens when you refuse anything from a cop, right? You know, I can remember when, when South Africa was still under the old system. And they used to say, uh, oh, you know, you foreigners, meaning the people who would come in from outside talking about apartheid and so on. You don't understand them. You don't understand the natives here. He says uh, that they uh, they're like children. They're children. You treat them like children. In other words, they're too simple to understand. Well, this is just how this article here is talking to, to everybody in the UK <laughs> with the nonsense. Uh, the scheme is voluntary, and members of the public had the right to refuse. <laughs> That's exactly what you say to a child. But anyone who refused to take part could be arrested, oh, no kidding, and taken to a police station if an officer had strong suspicions about them. Policy Director at Liberty, Isabella Sankey, said, Convenient technology is all very well, but not if it encourages the police to exceed their powers. Now, you can't take a photograph in Britain now, you know. You get run in for taking a photograph. 
And the people put up with it too. Why? Because I've said before, you could be in rags. You'd be in absolute rags. As long as they give you some little thing you stick in your hand, that you stick on your ear or text into you and get entertainment from a very cheap deal. Lots and lots and lots of cheap entertainment and distractions. You won't care if you're carrying a ball and chain along behind you. Sad, sad comment to make on humanity, but you understand, they understand us very, very, very well indeed. It's a whole science. It's all science. Why do you think every government department, even your police associate, they all have public relations experts. That means propaganda. It used to be called propaganda. But it got a bad name, propaganda, during World War One and Two, So they changed it to public relations. That's so you can talk down to the children. But that's what goes on, and that's what's happening. And the folk accept it. And you know something, too? The folk will accept anything, anything at all. Just to get by. No, don't stop me. I'm on my way to so-and-so. Uh, oh, I've got to take your fingerprints. I don't trust you, says the officer. What are you going to do? Get run into the police station to verify who you are, where they might find something else to charge you with. You know. After all, they can draw out a thousand things. Do you realize you're breaking laws every single day from the day, the minute you get up to you, till you go out and, and walk around the street and walk? You're breaking law after law. That's how it was in the Soviet Union. That way, when they wanted a particular person, they'd grab you under the, those laws. They didn't want you. They didn't, they didn't care. They could always get you if they did want you. And people still think they're free. You know, I was thinking the other day, it was far, far better when we were serfs, we were slaves. When you were slaves, Everyone knew it. Everybody talked to everybody else and talked about how miserable life was. They all knew there were slaves. The most perfect slave is the one that doesn't think he is one. That's perfect. Perfect. It's like our animal farm. Again, another Orwell classic where the pigs at the end, the ones that are in charge of the animals and the revolution, are all siding because now they're living the high life. They're on, they're living the high hog, you might say. And they go into the house to meet with the humans that used to be their enemies. And they're parting it up and all the other animals, the workers are outside looking through the window. And uh, the human says to the pigs, how did you get them to do this? They're all working for nothing. They're working for an idea. Just like the Soviet Union. We've been trying to get them to do that forever, to, to work for, for nothing, without any trouble. You've done it, you've succeeded. See, eventually, everything will come through government. Public-private, big corporation, big bank, big government combined. Your credits will be given to you. If you're bad, you won't get your credits. If you're bad, they'll cut you off the cloud, because the cloud is going to be the place that all your data is stored, and you won't need a hard drive anymore. They knew that before they gave you the first old computer where they were taking you step by step. The cheese all the way up to the mousetrap. And you adapt and you adapt and you adapt until you can't do without it. Then eventually it's impossible to do without it. And they've got you. They make sure as they, as they, as they make it impossible to live without it, they take away all the old system that you could use. So you have no alternative. 
the day that something that the government does something to benefit the people uh, will be the day that uh, the second coming. There's an article in the Huffington Post from the 11th of March 2010, and it says the central figure behind the Center for Disease Control. Uh, claims disputing the link between vaccines and autism and other neurological disorders has disappeared after officials discovered massive fraud involving the theft of millions of dollars in taxpayers from taxpayers' dollars. Danish police are investigating Dr. Paul Thorson, who has vanished along with almost two million dollars that he had supposedly spent on research. This is the guy who was this is the CDC's man to push all the vaccines through and it was good for us and all the rest of it. This is the one that the World Health Organization everyone was, was quoting. He's run off with the loot. <laughs> Thorson was a leading member of a Danish research group that wrote several key studies supporting the CDC's claims that the MMR vaccine and mercury-laden vaccines were safe for children. Thorson's 2003 Danish study reported a 20-fold increase in autism in Denmark after that country banned mercury-based preservatives in its vaccines. His study concluded that mercury could therefore not be the culprit behind the autism epidemic. So here's a criminal who's run off with the loot that was advising them all. And if believe you me, he'd be getting loot for uh, giving all these lies out too from the big pharma companies. So I'll put this one up too. All these links uh, I'll put up on my site, cuttingthroughthematrix.com, at the end of the show. If ExploreNet obliges me with enough speed to put it up there, even though I'm paying for high speed. Now, I'll go to the phones, and there's this Dave from Arizona. Are you there, Dave? Hey, Alan. Yes. How are you? Not bad. Oh, cool. Uh, I thought I would just talk a little bit about the cashless society with you. Yes. It's kind of funny, eh? I worked with two guys from the Philippines, mm-hmm. and I brought up the cashless society, and all the Americans were like, you know, who, what, what? And the the guys from the Philippines were like, oh, yeah, we already have it. Mm-hmm. They knew what it was, and they described it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it really would be, I mean, the ultimate form of control. Absolutely. Because, I mean, as everybody knows, they can turn it off, and you'd have no wealth. Mm-hmm. I mean, when do you think it'll it'll come to a point where we won't have cash, we won't have currency? Uh, the banks, uh, I've got articles here where the major banks have said in, within eight years they're phasing out all cash altogether. Right. As they're phasing this in. You see, most folk already are already using uh, plastic uh, cards wherever they go. And they've, they've already been trained to do that and how convenient it is and all the rest of it. But remember, the real purpose of money is to control people and to get you to work for money. Right. You see, it's really, the big boys have all that. They, they, they own the resources of the planet. But it's, it's so important that you believe that money works. And it does work as long as everyone else accepts that it works. And you can get a, a penny caramel for a dollar or something like that. But, but basically, uh, it's to be used as a form of control. And that's what Lord Bertrand Russell said back in the 1930s. He says, eventually the government will issue credits to every individual, the same amount of credits, although there will be a tiered system of how important you are to the system, that'll depend on how much your level of credits is. But you will be unable to save them up. So it will start at the same figure every every week. 
ends will be, it'll be used if, to punish you if you are anti-social. This is an interesting word that's getting bandied around in the UK and the British Commonwealth. You're anti-social. So, the, so they'll cut you off. You can't pay your rent. You can't pay for this. You can't pay for that until you behave. So it'll be used as a punishment tool as well. Yeah, that's the ultimate controlling factor. Yep. When do you think it'll they'll come to a point in the time, or do you think it will, when the state basically just decides you don't need land, you don't need gold, you don't need anything. We'll, we're mm-hmm. going to have it all. Oh, they've already done that. Uh, and they're using the environmentalists for it, too. Um, uh, the, back in the 1980s, for instance, I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, they started to phase out country hospitals in agricultural areas across the whole Western world at the same time. And the U.S., Canada, everywhere else. And that was to encourage people to get into the cities, even then. And in the, in the, the rural areas now, my I, one tax alone, I've got five different taxes here to live here, for the privilege of living here. And uh, one tax alone was the Ontario tax. That went up uh, from a few dollars to $600 by itself. The other one gets paid directly to the school board. That's about $2,000 twice a year. And then I've got a separate road tax for, for the privilege of this dirt road that's full of potholes. I, I pay that every year, twice a year as well. So they're, 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 And the, the, the gasoline, everything you need in the country is more expensive. So they're already forcing folk out gradually. Now in comes the eco-boys with inspectors. They go around your, your, your places. Oh, you can't live here. It's, uh, you've broken ten different codes. Your place is obsolete. Uh, you can't insulate it properly. It's too, it's too much carbon, too much heat loss. Um, your septic tank isn't up to the latest standard with the titanium tank and all that kind of stuff. And yada, 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 on it goes until you're out. And this is already happening across the whole of the Western world. And this is just, uh, this is all those NGOs, correct? NGOs, but it's all, all done through the United Nations. Every law to do with the land, uh, your property, everything, your building codes, septics, everything, your drilling well, is all from the UN. That's where it's done from. Back after these messages, folks. As I say, the music was going there, but uh, I almost let that uh, wailing guitar go because it, 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 it's appropriate when you, you shake your head and you want to wail sometimes. But there's Dan from California. Is Dan there? Hello, Dan. Hello. Hi, Alan. Hello. Hey, it's good to talk to you again. Yeah. Hey, have you heard of a movie called Order of Chaos? Yes. Yeah. You have. That's just been released, and I've got the voiceovers on it, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, I was watching it. I watched it last night, and uh, um, I was so surprised because it was kind of going along and kind of in line with a lot of what you've mentioned about uh, psychology in the media. And then right in the middle of the movie, I'm hearing Alan Watt, and I just thought, what? <laughs> I That's didn't right. know what was going on. I was yeah. so surprised. That's right. I, was, I think I was inspiration for it, and uh, uh, they, they, they got in touch with me uh, a while ago and asked if they could uh, use uh, uh, the voiceovers. Yep. Oh, yeah, you could tell he was a fan. I mean, you, you know, he must have been listening to your stuff for years because the whole script 
was based essentially on your work. Okay, I just I wasn't sure if you knew about it or not. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to you enjoy sure. it. I haven't seen it myself, but have you, did you enjoy it? Uh-huh. Uh, I did. It was very independent. Um, you know, it had Mimi Rogers, uh, which is Tom Cruise's ex-wife, yeah. and a kind of a couple of unknowns, but. Um, you know, interesting, uh, you know, um, a very interesting plot line. And I mm-hmm. encourage, if you sanction that, yeah, I encourage other people to uh, take a look at that because it's, uh, <clears throat> you know, it really, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, it only came out, I think, two weeks ago. Uh-huh. That's what I heard. Yeah, and I saw it uh, just last night. I was mm-hmm. just so shocked that it was like, Oh my God! Is that like Alan Watt in the middle of a movie? That's, <laughs> That's right. Like great. Yeah. That is so great. Well, this shows you that you you can influence people, you can uh, get them to think, and you can get them to do something about it. Hey, I'm here. You know, I've been living and working in Hollywood for I don't know how long now, and listening to your show, and I always mention your show and all of your work. So from the belly of the beast. You know, yeah. <laughs> congratulations to you, yeah. And it's, that's right, uh, that's, the, that's the impossible coming true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you yeah. know, there's hope. Like there's you said, hope. You know, yeah. There's forces of good. There are forces mm-hmm. of good. Yeah, and, and I think, too, you also have people who will uh, somehow or another get the cash up and do the right thing. Uh, that's a hard thing in this day and age is to get people to put their cash forward, even to make a movie that might uh, be politically incorrect or whatever. But it just shows you that people with enough intention and, and guts to do it can actually do it. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Anyway, God bless, and uh, thank you. And thanks for calling. Okay, take care. You too. Uh, I was going to close, too, with um, an article here to show you how up and up things are in this world of ours and how things are always out in the open, eh? <laughs> and you're informed. You're very informed. This is from the Times, 23rd of March, 2010. Lord Oxborough. The climate science peer has a conflict of interest. A member of the House of Lords, that's the British Senate basically, appointed to investigate the veracity of climate change has close links to businesses that stand to make billions of pounds from low-carbon technology. This is Britain's Al Gore. You know. Lord Oxborough is to chair a scientific assessment panel that will examine the published science of the Climatic Research Unit at the University of East Anglia because of all the scandal that was exposed about their chronology. The CRU has been accused of manipulating and suppressing data to overstate the dangers from climate changes, meaning changes in the weather, that's what I call it. I don't go by their terminology that brainwashes us. Professor Phil Jones, its director, has stood down from his post while a separate inquiry chaired by Sir Muir uh, Muir Russell takes place into the leaking of emails sent by him and his colleagues. So this independent inquiry, by the way, is headed up by Sir Muir Russell, who is a member of the Royal Society, who voted for the, the belief in climate change. They're all behind climate change. So that's an independent inquiry, right? Climate skeptics have questioned whether Lord Oxborough, chairman of the Carbon Capture and Storage Association and also the wind energy company Falk Renewables, was truly independent because he led organisations which depended on climate change being seen as an urgent problem. So the Foxes are doing their own inquiries here and they've got everything counting on it. The whole agenda counts on this, this chronology going on to enslave us even further. From Hamish, myself, in Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.